nobody has to go through this alone. I think that's the biggest thing that a lot of people fail to realize is there are so many resources out there for you to show you that support and to give you that lift that you really need. You're listening to the Mental Health Download from the nonprofit Mental Health Association Oklahoma. I'm Matt Gleason. On today's special episode, our guest is Miss Oklahoma USA 2020, Mariah Davis. And what you'll be hearing is audio from our recent Facebook Live Q&A with Mariah and many of her fans who asked some brilliant questions. And you'll hear Mariah share her experiences with depression, anxiety, and even thoughts of suicide. And she'll also offer some really helpful mental health tips. So with that being said, let's get the conversation started. The Mental Health Download starts now. Let's start with you telling our audience, you know, a little bit about yourself and, you know, why you wanted to become Miss Oklahoma USA 2020. Okay, so I, as a teenage girl, someone had told me, you should compete in a pageant. And I thought, "Mm, absolutely not. That's not going to happen. But I ended up going to the Miss Oklahoma USA 2012 competition with my preconceived notion about pageantry. And I remember looking up at the crowd at the stunning and very well-spoken women on stage and was completely in awe by them and by the confidence that they possessed. And I remember, you know, obviously wanting to embody that myself. So I decided to pursue the Miss Oklahoma Teen USA title and the future until I aged out. But once I aged out of the teen division, I knew that that was still a dream that I wanted to chase and one day become Miss Oklahoma USA. So growing up, my reasoning for wanting the title really evolved and more than just to become like one of those women that I had previously seen on stage. Yeah. And so, you know, you contacted Mental Health Association Oklahoma directly and you said, look, I want to get involved. Why did you send us that message? Well, so that really is my biggest platform on, well, as Miss Oklahoma USA, because it touches me on a personal level, because I went through things myself in my life. And I, once I won the title is when I really started to share my story for the first time, because before it was, I won't say something I was ashamed of, but not really your everyday conversation. But once I did come into this title and this such a level of responsibility, I felt I was in a position to where I could reach other lives and potentially intervene in a place of contemplation. So that's, you know, during all of this downtime that we've all had, it's really allowed me to think, okay, what can I do? I can't be out on the road right now. I can't be face to face with people, but what can I do from home? How can I contribute? You know, so this is just something that is close to home for me. So let's go back to your high school days. You know, can you share what it was like for you in high school when you first realized you were experiencing symptoms of depression and anxiety? Yeah. So at that age, which is still relatively true today, people are just not as understanding or accepting of things that aren't cool or trending. So it was very lonely because I had started my counseling sessions and that kind of helped me become more educated on my mental health, but I didn't feel like I had anybody that I could, you know, in my age that I could talk to about it or that would relate. 
So I was just terrified of the judgment of my peers if they were to find out. So it was very lonely. Yeah, I'm sure. And you touched on this, but you know, at that time, were you afraid your friends and, and maybe even your family would find out you were experiencing depression and anxiety? And what did you think that they may think about you? I was never ashamed for my family to know because I am so blessed to come from such an accepting and supporting family and we're all just lovers. And that, that really kind of carried the extra weight for the lack of friends that I could relate to at that time. So I was terrified to share that with any of my friends because I never felt like they would be delicate with that kind of situation because kids at that age are so uneducated about mental health and they stigmatize it, which is really just because the world stigmatizes it. And that's what they learn from. However, I don't know. The, the problem, I do think it's, it's definitely better now knowing I have younger cousins who are in high school and they've gone through things and people are definitely more open about their mental health now and they're not as ashamed to kind of come together about it. So there have been improvements, but not completely cleared up the problem yet. And we're in an interesting time during COVID where you know a lot of us in the mental health community, we, we do still see the silver lining of that, you know, hopefully during this time, people have realized that it is okay to reach out for help. And just uh, the media and social media has, have been, I think, done a really good job of breaking down the stigma of mental illness. What are your thoughts on that? You know, what do you think some of the silver linings are of this COVID era related to mental health, especially for young people? I do think what I've noticed just because social media is the biggest platform that any of us can really have right now, social media, people have been using that to really spread mental health awareness is what I've seen and providing resources because people have been people who may not have ever experienced any type of mental health illness, depression, anxiety, or really just high levels of stress they may have been experiencing it now. And so people have been providing a lot of resources for these people. And I think by doing that, it's also breaking the stigma. And um, that's something, another responsibility that I feel I have is to use my social media platforms to do that as well. So this is a, it's a devastating time. And a lot of people have been so affected by it in the worst of ways. But like you said, the silver lining really is, there, there are so many different silver linings. And one of which is that mental health awareness has really grown, I think, in a, in a very big way, especially amongst our youth who they've had to be out of school. It's just what I've seen on social media. And I think you stepping out and courageously sharing your story as you have, there's a wonderful video on Instagram that you shared with your audience that was really moving to me. I based a lot of my questions today on that video because you were so upfront and so honest. And I think someone, you know, people who look up to you, you know, especially, you know, women and, and, and men, we, we all look to people who are courageously sharing their stories. So thank you. You know, so the next part of the, the story is I want to move into your college days. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you said in that video, which was on Instagram, you were, you, you were struggling to find your identity and that mm -hmm. you felt like a prisoner in your own mind. That was your um, exact words. You know, can you tell us more about what that inner battle was like for you during college? Yeah. So struggling to find my identity for me at that time, that was really trying to figure out what my life's purpose was. 
what am I good at? What path am I going to choose? I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. And appearances are very deceiving, uh, no matter what age you are. So you're comparing yourself to somebody who seems like they have it all together and they know exactly what they're going to do. And that was a, that was an extra weight. You know, I think we all experience that, but if you do suffer from depression or anxiety, that is just magnified. And you, you take that on as so much extra weight and it really comes down or it came down to a big self-confidence issue. You know, am I going to even be capable of achieving my biggest goals and dreams? So it was really hard at that time to have the inner battles I had because I felt like they hindered me from working harder, being more courageous in college and experiencing things that in that early stage of adulthood, everyone should experience like internships or traveling abroad. And I feel like um, if I, if that, if this wasn't my journey, if I didn't have the mental health background that I did, that those are things I would have definitely been way more bold in and maybe I'd be in a different place right now in life however everything happens the way it's supposed to be but at that time I, I just felt impossible to know myself and what I wanted because I was so stuck mentally at what point did you start receiving treatment for your anxiety and depression I had started therapy as a teenager like in high school and it wasn't until college that I had started medication as well. But I was honestly really kind of ashamed to have to take pills or medication. So whether I kept it a you know, I, which I did, I kept it a secret, but I still wasn't disciplined in taking them because I just couldn't accept the fact that I, because I stigmatized mental health at the time. And I thought, if you need pills, you're crazy. You know, I don't want to take that. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to accept that that's what I need right now. And my therapy sessions were just as needed, which isn't a bad way to go. It's just, I don't think any of us understood uh, how the problem was growing and how fast it was growing. In college, you felt like you were losing your fight with anxiety and depression. And actually you were having thoughts of suicide, right? Mm -hmm. Can you explain, you know, to our audience what it was like to reach such a dark place in your life and how you came out the other side of that in a better place? Well, to say, I mean, how, what it was like to reach that point in my life, it's hard to put words to because it's, it was just dark and scary to reach a point to where that's something you start to consider I mean, this may sound silly, but it's like you just you suddenly realize that you're way worse than you you thought you were. Like it, it just makes you feel I don't it just it's a, it's a tragic tragic thing to even consider. And it's it's really yeah, even now it's really hard for me to put words to because right. having had so much growth in between those times and to where I am now, it's hard for me to revisit because I can't relate to it as much because I don't, I don't know what those feelings feel like as much anymore. You know, what or who inspires you to reach the other side of that darkness, to fight against those thoughts and come out the other side? I mean, of course, my family inspired me big time because they were a constant supply of support and love. But for me, which I, I'm sure it varies on the individual. So I did reach a point one night where I did lose my fight against, you know, battling those thoughts. And through what happened afterwards in that process of healing, that really woke me up. And I mean, I not to say you need that experience to wake up 
you certainly do not that that's not it's not a option it shouldn't be ever but it was because of that for something in my for some reason in my mind i knew that choosing that path would mean that everything i ever dreamed of would never happen and the woman that i wanted to be would be lost forever so having that kind of changed my mind and being so inspired by my family and just supported. And I learned what it meant to grow because at the time, you know, everyone talks about growth and you're like, okay, what does that mean? But what it means to grow and just taking the time to do so and becoming mentally solid and empowered. So for a long time, I, like I said, I didn't share that experience with any of my friends and I'll, some of my family members didn't know either because I was just very, very private about it. And it was something I, I don't want to say I felt ashamed of, but just too personal, too exposed. Nobody needs to know. And it, it definitely worried my family. You know, they had to learn how to trust me all over again. And, but they were, they were my biggest inspiration, I guess, like aside from something just changing in my mind, they were my constant source of inspiration. You know, in retrospect, have they talked to you about, you know, Mariah, you did this or you said this, and now, you know, that we're on the other side of this crisis, that we should have seen this, this warning sign that you were having thoughts of suicide. Has anybody mentioned anything like that to you? Or, or did you realize that perhaps you yourself you know, you say, oh, you know, I did this or I said this. And that really was me trying to reach out for help, even though I didn't know how. Did anything like that happen? I think that definitely. I, I think it was just with my family. It was really my mom and my sister who were the most aware of everything going on for as long as it went on. And maybe to anybody who was more educated in those signs, knowing what to look for, they would have been like, ding, 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 red flag. But that's, that's the biggest thing. It's, it's unchartered territories for so many people and they don't know what to look for. So they know something's wrong and they're concerned and they, they hate that for that person. It makes them sad. But I think for them, they just never, maybe it was something that they had considered. Maybe this could happen one day, but really it was a whole other thing for it to actually come to light. So I think that's a, another huge reason. It's not just people that we need to educate mental health on so we can break the stigma or we can let people know that what they're feeling doesn't make them crazy. It's completely normal. They're just human emotions, but also for loved ones so they can know what to look for and when people are really kind of reaching a rock bottom that could lead to something else. So one of the, I want to talk about how people can, if you are worried about someone who is having thoughts of suicide, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is so important. It's answered 24-7, 365 days a year. That number is 1-800-273-8255. I have friends and loved ones who have called that number, and it really is remarkable. And they, and they have told me, I'm so glad I called it. And they actually do follow-up calls. And you know, a very close loved one called, and they call him, and they say, hey, you know, how you doing? And I did not know that they did that, those follow-up calls, because, you know, that, I think that is so important to continue to show people support, even after the crisis and the mm -hmm. direct aftermath happens, to show that, you know, we are still, we still care about you, and we're, we're going to check in with you. I think that's really important. So 
And then, you know, if you can, if you can kind of go back to, you know, let's, let's, let's really focus on, you know, you've said you've had to put in the work to change, you know, what did that work entail for you? So for me, being more intentional with my therapy sessions, and, you know, I'd been going to therapy for quite some time since I was a teenager in high school, but by intentional, I mean, kind of journaling out the things that I really wanted to talk about that were really heavy in my life. And maybe, you know, we would get off track in a session and we would never dig that deep. Wanted to talk about accepting that my struggles with mental health didn't mean I was crazy. And I could, I could take medication because it's just going to help everything kind of run a little bit smoother, but it's not forever. I'm not going to have to take it forever. Focusing on the dreams and goals that I had, just kind of accepting just removing all of the self-doubt that depression and anxiety gives you and telling you that you're not really going to be able to achieve what you want to achieve, really removing that from my mindset. And anytime I had a negative thought, I replaced it with a positive. I'm sure people have heard this before and they're like, yeah, yeah, but it really did work for me. Um, it was, it was a constant comfort to anytime that happened. So focusing on the things I really wanted in life, even if I didn't have the slightest clue how I was going to get there, being more disciplined and taking my medication because I was just more accepting of it and just doing things that made me happy, discovering hobbies that made me happy, anything that I could, or had some type of productivity that I could be like, wow, that was cool. That was cool. I'm glad I did that today. Like hiking or something crafty, find something. Hobbies are a great outlet, great outlet. And they get slept on because they, they really are very beneficial. So I would definitely recommend that. Also learning how to um, identify negative energy and removing that energy and uh, negative people from my life. It was one of the hardest things I had to do, but when you're in a process of healing, you have to, you have to remove the things that don't help you grow and don't serve you. So my growth, you know, putting in the work to grow, it wasn't just any one thing. Really. So we have a question from Sheila who's watching. Hi, Sheila. And Sheila wants to know, you know, did you have a visual that you would go back to to help quote reel you back to a more positive road kind of when you were in those that dark part of your life? So coming back to actually pageantry, when I had aged out of the teen division, I was thinking, you know, I'm 18 years old. I'm thinking, I'm going right back the next year. Like I'm I'm not gonna stop. And so we go and we, we're looking for the dream dress and we find one. And of course, after we purchased said dress, I kind of thought, you know, this could be like a, a one-time shot. And right now I'm just like at the time, no, I guess I was still 18. I'm just, you know, an 18 year old girl. What makes me fit for the job? Because if I'm going to be Miss Oklahoma USA, I want to be worthy of being Miss USA. And they're not going to give that crown to a 19 year old. They're just not going to do it. <laughs> so I thought, okay, oh, I'm going to grow up. You know, I, I'm going to grow up into one of the women that I had seen on stage that had originally inspired me. And so during the years when my depression and anxiety really over started to overwhelm me more and more that dress that we had, I would revisit it at my mom's house because it was kind of a symbol of hope and what I could still possibly achieve. So that's really, and I actually did end up wearing that dress when I came back to compete for Miss Oklahoma USA and didn't win. And then I wore it the next year when I won. So that dress was a symbol of hope for me. I know that may sound silly, but it was something that reminded me that there were other possibilities for me. That's beautiful. Okay, so we have another question. This is from Destiny. 
Hi, Destiny. Thanks for the question. And Destiny wants to know, how was your process with finding the combination of medication that worked for you? And was there any struggles? And what would you suggest for those looking to go into that route with therapy? So uh, medication, that, that was a bit of a battle tug of war with me. You really have to find what works for you. I'm really kind of sensitive to medication. I, if it makes me feel weird physically, I don't want it. I would just not want to take it. So you really do kind of have to work with your, whoever is prescribing it, your doctor and finding what works for you. And it, it really is kind of a trial and error, but you just have to stay patient because you will find that thing that is going to work for you. And it really, it's, it's not just one thing that's going to help you. It's, it is the balance of medication and accepting that it's normal to take medication, totally normal, and therapy, having that intentional therapy session to where you go in knowing what you think you need to talk about, you know, you might be uncomfortable talking about, and finding things in your life that do make you feel productive, even if it's something small. All right. So what are some of the ways you continue to maintain and improve your own mental health, which I know can be difficult because you are exceptionally busy uh, with serving as Miss Oklahoma USA. So right now, you know, as I had mentioned, it's hard for me to really revisit the super darkest place that I've ever been because I don't feel those feelings anymore. And it's hard for me to even recognize them. But that's not to say that I don't get really, really sad or just swallowed up by self-doubt or anxiety. Sometimes anxiety hits me hard because it's Again, it's so normal, especially during a global pandemic for one. But for me, using exercise has been a really good source of kind of clearing my head. It, it's obviously very healthy physically, but it's very healthy for your mind as well. You don't have to try and gain 30 pounds of muscle, but just something to get your heart rate going. It's very healthy. So doing things like that, journaling, I do like to write things out on paper. If I, you know, if I don't go to therapy, I know that that's always an option for me. And I know that it, it does always make me feel better, but it's not something I think anytime I start to feel any type of negative emotion, I have to rush to a therapy session. So journaling really helps me to just organize those thoughts, get them out and kind of process it all. Also, I had mentioned hobbies. Hobbies really give me a sense of productivity. I like to hike. That's exercise and productivity. You accomplish something. You may have climbed a mountain. I don't know. But um, just doing little things that make me happy, removing myself from a stressful situation. Like if I do become overwhelmed with, there's a lot of pressure as a title holder to be uh, perfect. Not that that's a requirement. Absolutely not. But you can't help but want to be the best version of yourself at all times. That's what you want to do and you want to inspire others. So sometimes I have to remove myself from that. Like, okay, let's just be Mariah today. What does Mariah need? What does she need to feel to have a better day today? All right. So another question, and this is from my friend, Emily Brandenburg. Hi, Emily. Hi, Emily. <laughs> all right. So Emily's question is, Mariah, you mentioned appearances being deceiving when you might be comparing yourself to someone who seems to have it all together. Using the amazing platform you've earned with your position as Miss Oklahoma, what would you say to those who maybe considered the, quote, put together people to encourage them to more openly share some of their personal battles to help reduce the stigma? And you know, how did you come about being able to share your story so openly? 
you know, making yourself vulnerable and sharing things that are personal, it's hard because we don't want to. It's easier for people to think that we've got it all together. And I understand that, but that doesn't serve anybody but yourself. And we're not put, in my opinion, uh, we're not put on this earth to be self-serving. If we can all do, make just the smallest choices to be more transparent about the reality of life, because nobody's life is glamorous and perfect and everyone's got it together. That's going to make, I think that will have a large impact on people who really struggle with that. Like, man, she's got it all. Like she has it all together and I'd have no clue where I'm going to be a year from now. That just helped it just helps society as a whole. It, and it comes down to making a decision that better serves you or better serves everyone else. Yeah. Um, and then the second part of that question from Emily Brandenburg is how did you come about being able to share your story so openly? Well, it was definitely not without uh, difficulty. So the first time I had actually shared my story in front of a stranger was through Women's in Leadership. The conference had been postponed, but we made this video because I was going to be a guest speaker at this conference. And that was the first time I had ever shared that story. So it was really strange. It wasn't emotional for me. Like I think once I gained the responsibility of this title, it gave me the confidence to really share that story because I think for it to have a larger impact, I need to be able to organize that in a way that people can easily process it and relate too. So it's not without difficulty. I mean, even talking about it now, anytime that I admit that I made a certain decision in the past that could have resulted in me not being in here today, it's very heavy, but I, I have to really choose to look at it as a source of empowerment. I, I let that empower me. Yes, I did do that, but look where I am today and look where I'm going to go. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. So we have a question from Paulette. Paulette wants to know, can you describe a therapy session for people who have never taken that step, which, you know, for a lot of people may seem as, you know, a frightening or an embarrassing experience? Oh, yeah, I will tell you, I, I've known people who have been so against therapy because they, I mean, they just do not believe in it, swear up and down, there's no way that talking to someone else is going to help them. But for me, starting at the age that I did, I have always been with the same therapist. I have been fortunate in that the first time, oh, my mom interviewed therapists for me because she was she was that mom. But I was very fortunate in that I found one that I carry through to my adulthood that I found really, I don't know, it was very easy to talk to him. And he could put he could put things in a way that I wouldn't be able to put them or articulate things in a way that I couldn't articulate or process. So to describe a therapy session, it's not that they are there to attack you and they're going to immediately make you talk about things that are going to hurt and make you uncomfortable. It's a, you have to build the trust. You are building a relationship of trust and it is on your own terms. It's not an uncomfortable situation. And if, if you do leave a therapy session with somebody it's new and you just didn't like it, then go find another therapist because it really does come down to the end of it. You're just interacting with another individual and you need to find someone that you feel comfortable with. Yeah. All right. So this is the last call for questions. Please get those questions in. Um, man, you're doing awesome crowd. Keep them coming. And Mariah, you're doing just a lovely job answering them. You know, I, I want to, I'm curious, can you just describe what life is like as Miss Oklahoma? Like what that job entails and, you know, maybe what a typical day is like? 
Well, if we go back to before global pandemic times, it was definitely more busy. It was every single day. There were calls to be made, appointments to be made, places to go, people to see. But also, I mean, you really can't. Yes, you could sit around and do nothing all day and you could just show up to Miss USA and hope, you know, for the best. But then you miss out on the whole job, you know, because it's a year long job. And if you don't put in the work, I mean, there may be other states. I'm not really sure other states outside of Oklahoma that do have a team that schedule everything for them and do all of the work for them. I don't think so, at least not in the USA system. But Oklahoma does not. You are your own booking agent. You do everything yourself. So it's a lot of work and there's really no reason to be sitting around doing nothing all day. So with the global pandemic, that's been a big transition for all of us title holders. Like, okay, what can we do? Because we can't go anywhere. But it has been less busy, obviously, because we haven't been able to go places. But it has been an accepted challenge to be more creative in our outreach. All right. And this question is from Christy. You know, if you become Miss USA, which you will, I, I, I've, I've arranged it. How will, you, <laughs> how will you use your platform to promote mental health, you know, on a national scale and global, globally? So for me, I mean, as much as I can say, if I'm Miss USA, I'm going to do X, Y, Z. I can still say all of those things as a state title holder and as just Mariah Davis, because I truly believe like through all of the things that I've been through, I know that things, I know how things can be triumphed and your outreach can be bigger than you ever thought it was. So yes, as Miss USA, my platform is incredibly bigger and my outreach may be bigger. And I know how I kind of look at it is if we go back in time and I was the girl that I used to be, and there was a Miss USA title holder, a woman that I had really look up to who said, this is me. This was my journey. This is where I am now. That would have inspired me beyond measure. I mean, I can't even imagine. So to be in that position, to have an outreach that could not even just, you know, reach across the nation, but the, on a global scale, that would give me the most sense of purpose. You know, like that's my purpose in life is to help others or to intervene in a place of contemplation and bring them light where there's darkness. Yeah. And so as we come to a close here, I want to tell people about Mental Health Association Oklahoma's Be A Part campaign, which Mariah is definitely an advocate of and is a part. And, you know, the this campaign, it's we designed it to really tell people that, yes, we need to be a part. We need to physically distance. But that doesn't mean that we can't be a part of the solutions. And Mariah is most definitely a part of the solutions. And the Be A Part campaign is you can find all the details about how you can be a part at mhaok.org forward slash be a part. Okay, so Mariah, as we wrap up our conversation, which again, thank you for being here. It's our tradition here um, at the Mental Health Download to ask our guest to share a bit of wisdom and then you know, share our rallying cry, which is this month, it's be a part and go do good things. So Mariah, take it away. Any wisdom I have for anybody listening right now is again, to revisit that any type of depression or anxiety, stress, sadness, these are human emotions and they're normal. Don't let society make you feel like you can't accept them because they won't accept them. It's normal. It's it's completely acceptable to seek things that are going to bring you relief, which is any type of treatment, medication, 
therapy, none of which make you crazy. Don't let anybody make you feel like you can't accept what you're feeling. This is a time where I do believe that people are more accepting and you can rely on more people for support. So reach out to people. Nobody has to go through this alone. I think that's the biggest thing that a lot of people fail to realize is there are so many resources out there for you to show you that support and to give you that lift that you really need. So what is it? Be a part, yeah. go and do good things. Look at you. All right, we are done. That was awesome. Mariah, thank you so much for being here. Everybody who's watching right now, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to tune in. This has been one of the greatest experiences that I've had at Mental Health Association Oklahoma in all my nine years. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, just as Mariah said, be a part and go do good things. Thanks again. Thank you.